So good morning. Good morning. Welcome to a brand new day. Welcome to a brand new start. My name is Renee. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I am so grateful to be here with you this morning. And I want to recognize the privilege I get to have in this day and age uh, to be able to sit in meditation, to reflect with you this morning, and hopefully inspire your thinking and encourage your heart. So, thinking is important, isn't it? I mean, Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, right? The description of consciousness used to describe some sort of presence within us that we speak into the world with the words, I am. We use it all the time colloquially, don't we? I am this or... I am that. I know who I am because you are. Many times we can see our differences and know when we are not like someone. I don't know what it is to be like you. Heck, I don't even know y'all. So, uh, you know, in some ways it is harder to have compassion for people you don't know, when you have no clue where their I am is. How do I know how much compassion to give those people? Alan Watts is one of my favorite thinkers. And he says, if I were you, we often said one might so easily have been you. This gives one a strange feeling of the idea that other people jolly well exist. And in the same sense that you do, everybody's name is I. That, that's what you call yourself. So there will always be I's in the world. Every I is, in a way, the same I. We all might be anyone else. And there's no escape. It goes on and on. So as long as there's consciousness, anywhere there is I, you then in a way look out through all eyes. And perhaps that is the secret of the great virtue of compassion. You know, I, I love Alan Watts. And sometimes uh, he has a way of making things really complicated. Um, and sometimes he has a way of making these complicated ideas easier to understand. But at different times in our lives, we have been awakened to new levels of consciousness. You know, usually this happens over time, and we can't quite put a finger on when exactly we grew so much. But sometimes, just sometimes, you have these moments where you recognize yourself in someone else. And in that moment, the seeds of compassion are planted But I want to pose a rhetorical question for y'all. What do you do with that planted seed's fruit? So anyone is, uh, is anyone here still keeping up with their New Year's resolutions? (laughs) Yeah, goals. You know, the number one New Year's goal or resolution is to lose weight, to get healthy. People flock 
to the gyms during this time to lose fat, gain muscle, or make some kind of change to their appearance. You know, some people will say they want to get healthier. There's a lot of ways to view health, though, isn't there? If you really think about it. You know, my New Year's resolution is to be more compassionate. And I've fumbled on this quite a few times. And then I had to show myself compassion. So my question is, y'all, did I fumble? I might have found the greatest loophole resolution I think that I can find, you know, because I can't fail. As long as I, you know, don't get down on myself when I miss an opportunity to train. And you absolutely can train your compassion. You know, much like going to the gym to lose weight or build your muscles, compassion can also be built on, you know, after that seed is planted, of course. So my favorite example of this is when someone has been seemingly indifferent about someone suffering in the world, and then they suddenly become aware of it, and it makes them really uncomfortable. You know, so uncomfortable that they decide to do something about it, and they learn, and they start sharing, and they start growing in their knowledge. Then they get tired. They, they call it burnout. They call it compassion fatigue. And it's Sisyphean in nature. And these people, they might try to give themselves all the compassion that they need and they're just tired. Well, yeah. Did you know that in order for your muscles to grow, they require rest? In fact, you need more rest when you're working out if you really want to see the effects of all the hard work that you're putting in at the gym. And there's something even called active recovery. And that's a, a period when you might be working out your muscles and then you stop and maybe you just hold that squat. And you're not really working that muscle, but you know what you are do? You are engaging in your own discomfort. So, so I, I facilitated a, a meditation group for the last six years. And I mostly have a daily practice, and I, I love it. But I also know that it is not for everyone. Uh, in fact, in a recent study, 67% of the men surveyed said they would rather receive an electric shock than sit quietly and think. <laughs> Likely, this is because the discomfort of an electric shock is less than the discomfort of sitting with their own thoughts. So how then can we expect others to sit in their own discomfort? But also, how can you find a sense of comfort while you are experiencing your own discomfort? So I used to take a lot of aerobics classes and one of the things I liked about these classes is that the instructor would say at the very beginning, if you mess up, that's okay, just keep on moving. A little, she used to say, a little step touch is better than sitting on the couch. 
Right? And that was helpful to me and to a lot of the new people who were there who were learning the steps for the very first time. And for me, who cannot count and move their body at the same time. But you know what? Those instructors were right. I knew I could always go back to a little step touch if I needed to. To not experience discomfort while you're working out or even while you're meditating on compassion might mean you need a little more weight, right? For some of us, showing compassion for ourselves is really, really hard. And for some of us, it's a piece of cake. That's easy. For some, showing compassion to people who love us It's pretty simple. But when we start to imagine people who raise our blood pressure, we might start to find that difficult. And I hate to say it, but the best test for your compassion is to get in traffic. (laughs) Am I right? There will always be someone or something that grinds our gears. The point isn't to get rid of those things or for us to live with rose-colored glasses. It is to get curious about the limits of your compassion. So when I think of a person or a situation where my ability to suffer with that person emerges, whether it's because I will never be able to fully understand who they are or the decisions they had to make, I can sit in compassion for them. While this might look different for everyone, typically when I experience discomfort while in meditation, it starts with my breathing. I start to notice maybe it gets a little shallower. But just like in our earlier meditation, everything goes back to the breath. It is the step touch of meditation. Everything goes back to the breath. If I'm lifting weights at the gym and I go up and wait a little bit, I might struggle, but I'm gonna push a little as well. So so let's say I'm sitting in my little compassion meditation and I think about an old boss that was a bully, right? That's gonna be trickier for me to be compassionate towards, isn't it? As much as I want, you know, a swift spirit of karma, or I might be eager for some schadenfreude, right? I will imagine this person in front of me, and I will imagine myself saying to them, may you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you find peace in your heart. And I'll repeat it until my breath has stopped being shallow and it becomes deep. May you be happy. May you be healthy, and may you find peace in your heart. And check in with myself. How's my breathing? And should I repeat? The thing is about this is it is also my workout, but do I really want to exhaust myself so that I hate this practice? Now, as a, as a kid, I played basketball, and one time I was late to practice. And my coach decided that I was going to do lunges throughout the entire practice, just back and forth across the court. And I hate lunges now. I hate them so much. And the reason I hate them isn't because, you know, I was late. It was because 
I was so sore the next day, I could barely walk. So when I'm sitting in my compassion meditation, I'm not gonna go so far so that I'm sore the next day, right? So we have to know compassion is a practice. It's about building up your limits. And there may be people who have really hurt you, right? So you're not ready to exercise with them yet, y'all. And that's okay. I wouldn't walk into a gym and grab every weight off the rack and put it on the bar and attempt to lift it either. It takes time. You got to build those things up. But why is this important? You know, why would anyone put themselves through this? Has anyone ever really even healed from this? The Pema Chodron of a Buddhist reflection says, compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our own shared humanity. When I know I am, because you are. When the divinity within me recognizes the divinity within you, the great shalom, namaste, the golden rule, and the means by which we might be able to be in traffic And instead of calling that guy a jerk who cut you off, you might say, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you find peace in your heart. Or at the very least, right, may the jerk within me recognize the jerk within you. (laughs) Friends, working out is hard. Having compassion for jerks is hard. Sitting quietly and thinking Sounds like it can be really hard for some big part of our, our population. So as you, as you practice, as you try, be compassionate with yourselves and be gentle. Amen.